Welcome, everyone, to The Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. We are back after a couple weeks off. Took advantage of that short little dead zone after the Super Bowl. It's really the only stretch in the NFL calendar where I feel like I can take time off and it's guilt-free. There's not much going on. I'm not worried that I'm going to miss any really big news during those couple weeks. So it was nice. I'm rested. I'm ready to dive into the offseason. And that all starts with the combine this week. We get to see the rookie class under the microscope. And I say this every year, but please don't overreact to one news item that you see. It's I know it's the way that we consume media content these days. You read a headline, you let it sway your opinion about a prospect. I mean, not even just about the combine, not even just about sports. We say the same thing happen in politics with celebrities, all that kind of stuff. Don't do that. Whether it's film analysis, medicals, size measurements, 40 times, really any of the field drills that come out of the combine, don't overreact to one item. We need as many data points as we can get in order to kind of build the best possible picture of what these prospects could become in the pros. And it's not an exact science. Nobody bats a thousand when it comes to the NFL draft, not even the NFL front offices. So keep that in mind this week. We want to collect as much information as we can on these prospects, but we still need to find out which team they land on. It's a long process. We got a a couple more months before we even get to the draft. So today we're going to try to help you get a little more acquainted with some of the college players who are going to be at the combine with an obvious focus here on the skill position guys, the players you're going to be drafting in fantasy, not just in this year, but in the years to come. And I'm a big fan of our guest today. He's going to help us do that. One of the newest hires over at Fantasy Pros, Kyle Yates, signed on with them as a fantasy analyst, podcast host recently in the last couple months, works with our good friend Mike Taglier, who I think still holds the record for most appearances on our podcast. But Kyle's been killing it for some time now. All over the NFL draft. You can find him on Twitter at KyleYNFL. And if you're following him, you know that he wrote an excellent primer for the Combine. So we're going to talk to him about a ton of the info that he has in there. Kyle, congrats on the new gig, man. And thanks for jumping on with me today. Hey, absolutely. Anytime I get to jump onto a podcast and put my all these like thoughts that are swirling around in my brain and I get to articulate them, I'm all for it. So thanks so much for the invite. I'm super happy to be here. Well, I've said it before on the show, but during the NFL season, at least from September to December, I don't pay as much attention to the college prospects. I I just can't find time to do it. Saturday afternoons when all the college games are in the fall, it's really the only time during the week during the fall when I feel like I can commit it to family and to friends. And if I stop doing that, I might as well buy a cabin in the mountains and just live alone watching football 24-7. And maybe that's a, a glimpse of my future here. I don't know. But I feel like at this point already, you're so deep into this draft class. So give us a feel for your process. When do you start diving into these draft prospects every year? And how do you get to the point that we're at now at the Combine? Yeah, completely. So for me, I actually start digging into the upcoming draft class uh, in like June or July. So the draft will end, you know, and we kind of do some analysis on where these players end up, uh, what they, you know, their fantasy outlook could be for the next couple of years. And then from that point, there's a little bit of a dead spot. I kind of just relax, rest. And then at that point, I'm digging into uh, the upcoming draft class and and necessarily not doing like a full deep dive where I'm looking at 100 prospects or anything ridiculous like that. I'm really just looking at the top guys. Who are some of these guys that we should be watching going into the next year? And so from there, I'm looking at their previous tape. 
I'm doing some tape analysis and writing up a small short scouting report just so that way I know the names, I know who these guys are. And then throughout the college football season, I'm paying attention. I'm kind of, uh, you use that, like, you know, you're talking about Saturday and, and uh, not necessarily having like a family if you paid attention, <laughs> right? And I'm kind of in that same boat. So it's like during the fantasy football season and the NFL season, I've got like two eyes on, you know, on the screen in front of me and I'm watching football, but I've got like out the corner of my eye here, I'm watching this college football game, right? So I'm not necessarily doing in-depth scouting mid-season, mid-college football season, but I'm paying attention. And so I'm paying attention to the names and what they're doing, the impact some risers, fallers throughout the college football season. And my work specifically in Dynasty allows for that to happen. And then once we hit the end of the college football season, that's where I really start my scouting and tape analysis. And so from there, I'm watching a minimum three games on each player, specifically for Dynasty uh, and you know fantasy football. And I'll watch a maximum of eight to 10. And so from there, really just looking at their previous games and, and uh, scouting them, excuse me, on, you know, this certain number of traits that I have and really built out. So at this point, you know, we're sitting here uh, towards the end of February. I've got over 100, uh, 103, I think is where I'm at right now, 103 prospects that have been graded. And I've watched over 450 games of film. So I'm exhausted at this point. <laughs> uh, and it's a lot of information that's in my head. And so, like I said, anytime I can get on a podcast and I can just articulate this rather than just speaking to, you know, my wife who doesn't really care about football, uh, I'll take it. Well, I look forward to trying to play catch up here over the next couple of months, but you did a really good job in the primer talking about specific players. And we're going to get to that in a minute, but I'm curious, I feel like everyone's different when you ask them this question. What do you look for specifically when you're trying to get information out of the combine? Lots of analysts have done quality work the last few years, like, J.J. Zacharyson, number fire, uh, Hayden Winks over at Roto World, just to name a couple of them, looking at thresholds that tend to be, you know, the cutoffs for players becoming stars at the next level. And it's, once again, it's it's not a, a magic sort of number that you can come across that's going to give you everything that's going to guarantee success. But are there any of these combine results or these thresholds that stand out to you that maybe you put a little more faith in when you're trying to project how these prospects are going to do in the pros? Yeah, well, it's an interesting conversation because you're trying to look at these players and in and, and a question like that, and you have to take it with each specific position. And then from there, you even have to dissect it a little bit further to say, well, okay, it's dependent upon the player and the role that they're going to play in the NFL. And so like specifically looking at combine results and the 40-yard dash, let's take the 40-yard dash, for example. For me, looking at a wide receiver and evaluating them on the 40-yard dash is important. Uh, specifically, what's their what's their long speed? How fast are they? Are they going to be able to stretch the field? And so, when you're talking about a player who is going to be that like stretch the field, like we talk about Deshaun Jackson in that breath, right, all the time. Well, okay, you need to be able to <laughs> run a very fast forty to be able to stretch the field at the NFL level, where we're talking about the elite of the elite athletes. And so, um, when we're talking about that with these field stretching wide receivers, your 40 yard dash is really important. Uh, for some of these guys who are going to be the slower, like the, the slot receivers, like I don't need to necessarily see you run like a four, three, 40 yard dash. If you're going to be purely a slot receiver at the NFL level. However, for that, I need to see your three cone and your short shuttle because that tests your agility. And so from there, your ability to get quickly in and out of breaks, move from point A to point B as quickly as possible. And we talk about Julian Edelman in that breath, right? The slot receiver who's able to move quickly and get open easily underneath. Those are 
the important numbers and measurables for the wide receiver. For a running back, it's a little bit different. I don't need to necessarily see your your top end forty yard dash speed because when we we had Matt Waldman on the Fantasy Pros podcast this last week and he brought up a great point. In the NFL, a running back is not necessarily breaking off a fifty yard run frequently, right? Which is why we can appreciate Saquon Barkley doing it so so frequently because it's it's very uncommon. An explosive play for a running back really is around 8 to 12 yards. And so your 40-yard dash doesn't necessarily matter a ton as far as your top-end speed. However, your 10-yard split is important because for a running back, your short area quickness and your burst are the two traits that are really, really important. And so for that, your 10-yard split, how quickly are you going from, you know, in 10 yards? How quickly can you get there? And then your three cone and short shuttle are also important because that measures your short area quickness and agility. So it's a very long winded way of answering, you know, the question that it really is dependent upon the position and then also the role that you're going to be asked to play in the NFL. What about the flip side of that question? Is there anything that comes out of the combine that maybe you feel and I feel like there's probably a lot of answers to this question, but that you feel is overrated or maybe given too much emphasis by the fantasy community or the draft world as a whole? Yeah, well, I think we can looking uh, looking specifically at last year, and we talked a lot about DK Metcalf and his three cone, right? Yep. <laughs> and so, but and and now hindsight, where we could look back at that and we can say DK Metcalf ran a terrible three cone time for his weight and whatever. But we can look at his role and we can say that's not what he's asked to do. He's not a slot receiver for Seattle. He is a outside receiver and he's stretching the field. And so for him to to bomb the three cone like he did we completely overreacted to that as a community a lot of people did where we were saying okay he's not as great of an athlete as he you know showed in other areas which is false and he fell all the way in the nfl to the end of the second round so i think again it's dependent upon position where i think some people are going to look at the the running back position and a player comes out and runs you know an extremely blazing fast 40 yard dash but they don't have the short area quickness or burst that shows that they have long speed and they can build up, you know, ahead of steam when they are given enough space. But again, in the NFL, how how much are you actually given that space? And so, uh, it, it's a, it's not an exact science, like you said, it really isn't. And so, for these combine results, you really have to take it all into context and for each specific player and dig into it. And that's what we hear the guys who, you know, the guys who analyze the NFL draft. That's what we're here to do is to help provide this context for you guys. All right, so we're recording this on Monday. Quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, they all arrived at the combine on Sunday, which means we're not going to get bench press results until Wednesday. We're not going to see on-field workouts until Thursday. We did get some size measurements today, though, and immediately, and it fits exactly with what I'm talking about off the top, everyone freaked out about Joe Burrow's hands, that they're on the smaller side. And people tend to worry about this because they think in bad weather games, quarterbacks are going to have a harder time hanging onto the ball if they have smaller hands. And I tend to see this as just a perfect example, one of those headlines that everyone's going to see come across their Twitter feed and probably going to put too much stock in. But I got to ask you, what's your take on Burrow's hand size? Yeah, absolutely. I think people did overreact to it. It, It's of course, at this point too, we also have to take into context, like you mentioned, you know, you went away for two weeks because it is that downside down season of the NFL. Um, We're kind of craving anything right at this point (laughs) that we can kind of get our, our hands on and, and, uh, and analyze. So 
for me, my take on Joe Burrow's hand size, he came in at nine inches. And so for uh, a lot of people made a huge deal out of Sam Darnold's a couple years ago that were nine and three eights, I think. And so that was like a huge deal. So now we're seeing Joe Burrow come in, quarterback out of LSU, come in just a little bit underneath that. It's concerning. But for me, it isn't going to affect my evaluation of him. This is more so for NFL teams because there are old traditional uh, old school, excuse me, traditional coaches that will say, like I saw a quote when I was doing some digging into this earlier, it was Hugh Jackson was saying like, I prefer a quarterback with 10 inch hands. And so I guess Hugh Jackson isn't exactly the greatest uh, <laughs> example <laughs> there to use when you're kind of uh, the counter argument here. But I think it's concerning, of course, because that does kind of take, maybe doesn't take him off some NFL teams boards that are going to be playing in this really bad weather. But for us and sitting here as dynasty players and, you know, these guys that are going to be drafting Joe Burrow in redraft leagues next year, it's not going to affect my evaluation. He's still the 101 for me in the NFL draft. And, but this is more of a conversation for NFL teams that they're really going to have to think about. Were there any other the size measurements that came out on Monday that you think might be worth mentioning? I saw you tweeted about a couple of the receivers. That's why I ask. Yeah, yeah. There were some really interesting measurements. And this is kind of, so I mentioned this last week on the podcast, on my podcast, the Fantasy Pros one, that schools tend to over-exaggerate size, right? So when we're talking about uh, a, a receiver or a tight end, you know, you can see them listed at like 240 if they're a tight end, but they're really playing at 230. And so when you get to the NFL combine, it's really, okay, what are they playing at? And is this going to affect them at all? So a couple that were interesting, LaVisca Chenault, a wide receiver out of Colorado, came in at 227 pounds. He's six foot. He's a wide receiver. And he is one of those like versatile weapons, but he's more than that. He has uh, some contested catch ability. So people are going to watch his tape and they might quickly jump to the comparison of Cordero Patterson. He's more than that. He's more of a complete wide receiver. However, he was used all over the offense at Colorado. You had him lining up in the wildcat to lining up in the backfield as a running back to slot receiver to X receiver. So he's used all over the place and he's, he's quick. And he turns into a, a running back with the ball in his hands. Now you look at his size at six foot two hundred and twenty-seven, which is more than what he was listed at. And this is the guy, this is a guy who's the same size as Ezekiel Elliott out there playing wide receiver. And so now it's really interesting as we look at his NFL future. Okay, where are we gonna put him? Where are we gonna play him at this size? And what's he gonna run? Right. Is is the is the quickness going to match the size where we can say, OK, I still feel comfortable putting this guy out outside. Uh, that was an interesting uh, measurement. K.J. Hamler at 178 pounds was interesting to me, too. K.J. Hamler, a wide receiver out of Penn State. Uh, he is he was listed at 165 pounds. So for him to come in at 178, that's good. That's more uh, a weight that I feel more comfortable putting him on an NFL field and him not getting bent in or broken in half. Uh, and so for him, I'm really, really excited about him. Um, another one, Jake Fromm with eight and seven eighth inch hands, even shorter or smaller than Joe Burrow's hand size. Jake Fromm, a quarterback out of Georgia. So for me, I'm I'm not necessarily concerned, but it does go into the evaluation for NFL teams. So I'm interested to see how far his draft stock falls. Jake Fromm is a, a quarterback that I do enjoy. And then finally, for me, the, the last kind of uh, noteworthy measurement for me was C.D. Lamb listed at 198 pounds versus his uh, listed 189 pounds in, at Oklahoma. 
And so for, for him to come in a little bit heavier, one of the knocks on him was his size and whether or not he was going to be able to withstand that. Um, playing in the Big 12, the corners aren't exactly the biggest and strongest there. So for him to take that step into the NFL, how is he going to uh, withstand it? Adding on the weight does help, but I'm more concerned now about his 40-yard dash because CeeDee Lamb wasn't going to be the fastest guy at the Combine. And so now, does he still maintain that explosiveness on tape and is that something that we're going to see from him so those are just a few of the noteworthy noteworthy measurements that i took away from the uh, from the combine today and quite literally noteworthy i hope the people listening have their notebooks out and they're jotting some of this stuff down especially what we're going to talk about is some of the information that's in your, your primer and before we get to that i'll also say when we're talking about a lot of the stuff we're talking about these size measurements from today we're going to talk about some of the combine events the medicals are also something that's very important that comes out of the combine. And that's where you can kind of learn whether guys have maybe a degenerative knee issue that might not pop up in year one or year two, but could be a problem down the road here. So when we're talking about dynasty leagues and you're drafting, you got to take all that into account. So keep an eye out for the medical stuff. All right, let's talk about your primer a little bit. The 40-yard dash is one of the most publicized events at the combine. It's sort of like the 100-yard dash in the Olympics. We don't have to run through all the guys you discuss in your article. I mean, for the 40-yard dash alone, I think you wrote up 12 or 13 players. <laughs> yeah. Let's just go over some of the notable names here. Who are a couple prospects that you're interested in seeing run the 40 this week? Yeah, completely. So to start the conversation, you have to start with Henry Ruggs out of Alabama and Jalen Rieger out of TCU. Uh, both wide receivers and both are just athletic freaks. These guys uh, could potentially, Henry Ruggs specifically, could break John Ross's 40-yard dash record at the Combine this year. So he is blazing fast, and he's someone who I'm really excited about at the wide or at the next level. Jalen Rieger, uh, wide receiver out of TCU, like I mentioned, he's another guy who could run in the low 4.3s, uh, maybe even break into the 4.2s. He is a, I wrote in my notes, he's a speed demon. <laughs> this guy is just blazing fast with a ball in his hands. A lot of people are comparing him to like a Percy Harvin type player, and so he's electric with the ball in his hands. Uh, but I don't think that you can stop the conversation there with just those two. KJ Hamler, I mentioned him earlier out of Penn State. He's another guy who uh, has blazing top end speed. And so he's really interesting because like I mentioned earlier with the 40 yard dash for the wide receiver position, I'm not as interested in it for these guys who are going to play in the slot. However, KJ Hamler is a slot receiver. And so for him, they utilized him very interesting interestingly at Penn State running these deep fades out of the slot because he's electric he can just simply get off he's explosive and he can get off the line and and blaze downfield and so for me really interested in KJ Hamler but then a few other guys that I'll mention here and again you can find the rest of these in the in the primer uh, Devin Duvernay is a wide receiver out of Texas he's a guy who I don't think we should be forgetting he really hasn't been talked a lot about recently uh, but he's an explosive player and one of these guys I compared to kind of like a, a cross between a Golden Tate. He's another slot receiver in the NFL. Uh, Golden Tate and Debo Samuel, where we see Debo Samuel kind of turn into that running back with a ball in his hands. Devin Duvernay has that similar skill set and style. And then finally, for me, LaMichael Pirine is running back out of Florida. He is someone who I'm interested in watching because he did not test well in the 40-yard dash coming out of high school. But he has cut down and has gained explosiveness, and he has some great breakaway runs on tape. And so for me, I'm interested in seeing what he runs. I don't think he's going to run exceptionally fast, but I'm just more so from my interest level interested in watching him. 
And then finally, Cam Akers. For me, uh, Cam Akers out of Florida State, a running back, he has to show up at the combine and win with his athleticism. Because for him, the other traits that he shows at the running back position, his vision, pass protection even, um, change of direction, they're not truly exceptional. But, however, he is an insane athlete. And so this is one of the guys that has to show up and validate what he showed on tape. If he shows up to the combine and doesn't put up a great performance, we're now looking at him with even more question marks than we already are. So Cam Akers could be someone who shows up to the combine, puts on a great performance, and we see him drafted in the back of the second round, early third, and we see him potentially rise up if he lands in the right spot to a great fantasy option next year. Like I said earlier, the on-field workouts aren't going to start until Thursday. Bench press happens a day earlier for every skill position group, which means quarterbacks, tight ends, wideouts are going to kick things off on Wednesday. Running backs are going to be a day behind them for everything. Normally, when you're talking about bench press, it's an offensive, defensive lineman. They tend to put up the, the monster numbers in that one. I don't think we need to see that from the skill position guys, but I've heard people say before that Bench press can tell you a little more than just strength, right? It can tell you about a player's dedication, about their professionalism. Did they take this task seriously? It's basically a job interview. That's what the combine is. So did they prepare for this job interview properly? With that in mind, whose bench press reps should we be monitoring this week? Yeah, well, I'm glad that you mentioned that because it's one of those things that we kind of have to look at the event in a you know a bird's eye view and taking that into context as far as their dedication, their um, their drive, right, their competitive nature are these guys because for wide receivers and running backs specifically, I'm not as concerned about upper body strength. I'm more concerned about your lower body explosiveness and uh, specifically for running backs. However, for the bench press. I think the tight end position is important to monitor, especially with some of these guys that we're looking at from a fantasy perspective for next year. Guys like Thaddeus Moss out of LSU, which is actually Randy Moss's son, um, Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue, and then Hunter Bryant out of Washington. Those are three guys I wanted to bring up in this conversation because they're really interesting. With Thaddeus Moss, he is a mauler in the run game, but yet he also has fluidity and uh, and good movement in and out of his breaks to go along with great hands. If you're going to be Randy Moss's son, you probably should have great hands, right? <laughs> so for Thaddeus Moss, I want to see him do well in the bench press to validate what I saw on tape with the run game. Uh, because at that point, NFL teams are not going to be pulling him off the field. He can be that three down, you know, tight end, either in line or split out wide. And, and someone who that translate to fantasy football, right? when we're seeing these guys who have to constantly come off the field because they're a liability in the run game, okay, well, now you're taking their snaps down, which then potentially limits their overall fantasy you know, ceiling. It's the same thing with Bryson Hopkins. Bryson Hopkins is extremely explosive off the snap. He's someone who, with great hands who I'm really intrigued with for, from a fantasy football perspective. However, I want to see that he can do well in the bench press because that dictates your blocking ability, your run blocking ability. Do you have the upper body strength to match uh, these, you know, these edge defenders at the NFL level? And again, concern about being pulled off the field. And then finally, Hunter Bryant, he's a move tight end, kind of in that Evan Engram role um, where he his measurements came in today. Let me pull that up really quick. Hunter Bryant was 6'2", 248. And so for me, he can move extremely well. But again, I want to make sure that he has the upper body strength to go along with what I saw on tape. So that way you're not just relegated to a big slot role at the NFL level, but you can still play in line. And you got some big names listed under the vertical jump section in that primer. What are you hoping to learn there? 
Yeah, uh, it, it kind of goes in conjunction with everything that I've talked about earlier. It's really just that lower body explosiveness from the wide receivers and t- uh, running backs. Do these guys have the power in their lower halves that can help them on the field? And essentially, did what I see on tape match up with the results from the combine, right? So that's just essentially saying these guys that have the lower body explosiveness that I deemed, okay, they have great speed, they have great explosiveness, burst, agility, whatever. Is that is that translating into these workouts or do I have to then go back and reevaluate? And then additionally, these guys that I really didn't think performed great at the, you know, on tape, but they come out and they jump really well. They show that lower body explosiveness. Okay. I might need to go back and reevaluate because I may have missed something. And so it's all part of this puzzle that, you know, that we're taking and we're looking at and trying to figure out who this prospect is. And from there, everything is, everything is part of this puzzle. And from there, we're just trying to put it all together to put, get the big picture of who this prospect is. So that's kind of one of those things. It's another little piece of the puzzle that I can take and either reevaluate or, you know, validate what I saw on tape. And any specific names that you're looking at for the verts? I mean, again, with the, with the athletes there of, uh, Henry Ruggs and Jalen Rieger, these guys, <laughs> these guys are going to test out of their minds. Um, and so for me, those are just guys that I'm going to be locked into because I'm super excited to see how they do. Again, Cam Akers for a lot of the reasons that I listed uh, before, but again, there's more listed in the uh, in the co- the combine primer there over at FantasyPros.com. All right, before I let you go, I feel like we quickly got to discuss the new drills that are being added this year. There's 16 new drills being brought in uh, across all position groups. I'm not sure how closely you've looked at them yet, but do any of those pique your interest? Yeah, so I've looked at a couple of them, and while there aren't many that necessarily like make me feel like I have to sit down and watch that section of the combat, I mean, I'm going to, but like make me <laughs> sit down and feel like I have to, um, it is good to see an overall view that, from an overall view, that they're adjusting the combine to fit what the NFL is doing now, For right? Sure. Like they're taking out some of these older drills that don't really pertain to the to today's NFL. And so like with that in mind, like the smoke routes, which are really interesting. That's predicated upon getting the ball out quick for the quarterback and fitting in. And it really dictates over to like the, um, the RPO offenses that are becoming popular. And so for that, I'm really interested. End zone fades are super interesting too. How well is a wide receiver able to track the ball over their shoulder, uh, adjust to the ball in the air? Same thing for the quarterback. Do they have the precision to put it there? And then uh, not fantasy, but the figure eight drill for the D line is one that I'm really interested in watching because it, it, is going to show me how much bend that a player has from an edge perspective or a D-line perspective. And so that's one that I thought was really, really cool. I really enjoyed seeing. But um, it is good from an overall perspective, while I don't have any others that really jump out to me, to see that they're adjusting and they're they're fin- making it fit to what the NFL is today. Anytime we can modernize things, it's always always right. a good thing. That is all for today's show. Go and check out Kyle's Combine Primer, all his content over at Fantasy Pros. Kyle, heck of a debut, man. Appreciate you coming on. Hey, thanks so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. And we talked about it a bit before the podcast, but don't be shy about sending me trade offers in our Dynasty League either. Yep, for sure. <laughs> Go and follow Kyle on Twitter, at KyleYNFL. You can find me on Twitter, at Justin Boone. Big thanks again to Kyle. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. I said leave